Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm chapter 95, verses 1 through 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you would only hear his voice. This is the word of God for the people of God this day. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. It is a time for us to begin kind of a reflection on what it means to be alive as a child of God. What does it mean for us to know that we have a God who loves us, a God who pours himself into us, a God who guides us through life? Has, how does that reflect on us? How do we respond to that? How do we live out our life knowing that we have a God who loves us so much? It's a time for us to remember the passion of Jesus, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made because of his love for us. And I think as we, as we do that reflection, it just gives us a real opportunity to think about who we are. Gives us a real opportunity to understand what our lives are, what the present tense is of our life, what kinds of things we're going through, what kinds of things we're experiencing, how we think about those things, but it also gives us a chance to think about what could things be. Knowing that we have such a God who has done such things for us, how can things be better? How can things, how can we grow in the midst of that? How can we rely on our faith? How can we rely on this, this trust that we have in God? How can we allow that to be something that, that becomes our foundation, something that, that leads us and guides us throughout our lives? And I think any time that we take that time to, to take a deep look at ourselves and to take a deep look at, at what life is and what life means and who we are, we often find things that we just don't like to see. We find things that are messy. We realize that life isn't necessarily clean. Life isn't necessarily easy. It's not, you know, we're trying to go from one point to another point to another point, but it's not always a straight shot. Sometimes we we have to make detours. Sometimes we have to change plans. Sometimes we have to go in different ways and we respond to those things differently. Sometimes we get kind of fed up with life. Sometimes we just get overwhelmed by life. I think as we, we look at just life in general, we see that it's messy. It's just life isn't always the way that we want it to be. What's kind of special to me in the midst of that, especially during the season of Lent, is knowing that God still loves us in the midst of that mess, that that God still sent his son to be a part of our life. Knowing that that mess exists, God knows that we have that mess. God knows that we make those mistakes. God knows that we, we make the wrong decisions and go down the wrong path and have the zig sometimes going in the wrong way when we should have zagged, we zigged. And, and, but God still loves us. And the whole idea of sending Jesus was because of that love. He knows it's a mess, and he sent Jesus to, to sacrifice so that we can have this life where we can come together today and worship and praise and, and feel that, that, that presence of him. That, that kind of helps, for me, it helps bring that all into context. It helps kind of make a clearer picture of that. In the midst of my mess, God has chosen to be with me. In the midst of my mess, God has chosen to sacrifice his son for me, that I can have a better life, that I can be able to, to have forgiveness, that I can be able to have salvation, that I can be able to, to move to where God needs me to move. 
And even if you look at how Jesus went about doing his ministry, if you look through the life of Jesus and understand just kind of how he connected with people and how he went about sharing God's love and showing what that means and and how that works, he was often seeking people out that were kind of pushed aside, seeking people out who zigged when they should have zagged, seeking people out who felt overwhelmed by life and chose to walk with them. There's something really powerful in that image where, you know, just imagine as Jesus was calling his disciples, he's, he's walking along the lake shore and there's some fishermen there and he walks up to them and he says, come and follow me. Let's, let's, let's walk together. Let's journey together. And so they chose to do so. They chose to walk with Jesus. They'd leave, he'd leave the, the lake shore and go into town and he'd see some tax collectors and he'd walk up to them and he'd say, hey, come follow me. Let's walk together. Let's, let's go through life together. And when you think about that, that theme or that image, it, it really is a theme that we see throughout the Bible. That's, that's how God chooses to connect with us. That's how God chooses to, one of the ways that God chooses to help us understand how powerful His love is, how good His love is, how, how wonderful and amazing His love is, that He walks with us. There's several instances throughout Scripture where, where God walks with people. And even you think about just other places in Scripture where God calls us to walk. This idea of walking is, is an important thing, that we, we walk in His light, that we walk along the path that He sets before us, that, that we walk humbly before the Lord. Just all these ways and all these references to walking. When we think about faith, that's really what faith is. Faith, faith isn't just this, this thing that just appears. It's not just this thing that's there. It's something that we interact with. It's something that we grow with as we, get, as we, we, we mature in our faith, as, as we go through life. We know that faith is this journey. We're walking from place to place. We're learning from thing to thing. We're, we're building relationships as we go. We're, we're sharing life together. We're experiencing the joys of God in our midst together. It's, it's this journey. We're walking this journey. So as we kind of begin the season of Lent and as we look at who we are as God's children and, and what God is calling us to do, we want to kind of take a look at what that walk can look like. What kinds of things can we do to go on this walk? And I think one of the things that we discover, especially as we're doing this reflection and and pausing and just kind of looking at how life works, we discover that we're not always in the best of shape to go on that walk. I I live this almost every day of my life. I realize that I'm physically not in shape to do the kind of walk that sometimes I want to do. I, I walk from here to there, and I realize I get out of breath a little bit sooner than I used to. And I realize that being out of shape is something that doesn't help me enjoy the walk. It's, it's something that doesn't help me take the steps that I want to take. I think that same thing can happen spiritually. I was, I, I was actually encouraged the other day. I was watching a spring training baseball game. And at this game, because it's spring training, they can do things differently. And the, the, the announcers had one of the players mic'd up. He, had, he was wearing a microphone while he was out, actually out in the field playing the game. He was in, in left field. And so the announcers were talking to the player as he was just kind of watching every play happen. And at one point, the ball got hit to him. And so he sprinted to, to catch the ball, or, and then he fired it back into the infield. And as he was walking back to his position, he was like, he, was, he said, sorry, guys, I'm out of breath. This is this young baseball player who's at the prime of his physical life, and he just, he just had one sprint, and he was out of breath. And so one of the announcers said, well, I guess that's why we have spring training, so you can get back into shape. And that made me feel good, that, you know, I get out of shape really easily, and so did this athlete. This athlete, that it's his job, it's his life to be in shape. It's his job to be able to, to catch that ball in the sprint and to be able to do it again. He gets out of shape, and that's why they have spring training, so they can get back into shape. We want to kind of look at faith that way too sometimes, that we know that we can get out of shape spiritually. 
We can lose touch with what that faith is. We can lose touch with, with what that walk is about. God wants us to walk with him. God says that he's walking with us. We want to be able to keep up. We want to be able to go to the places where he calls us to go. So we have to find ways to get into shape spiritually, to find ways to practice Find a rhythm for what it means to, to be a child of God and to live out this life and to, to follow Jesus. Adam Hamilton, who's a United Methodist pastor, he, he recently wrote a book called The Walk, surprising, and he highlights five essential practices, five essential practices of the Christian life, that if we're going to go on this walk together, if, we're going to, if Jesus comes to us and he says, come follow me, he wants to walk with us as we go through life, there's five things that we can do, five essential, there's all kinds of things that we can do, but there's five essential things that can help us get into shape. There's five essential ways that can help us to practice what faith means, to practice what it means to, to, to go on this journey, to take this walk with Jesus. And so as we go through Lent, we're going to look at some of these. We're going to look at, at how we can incorporate these into our own lives, to incorporate how we think about faith, to incorporate how we understand how, as we move through life together with Jesus, we can find ways to live that out in our lives. And so the first essential practice is that of worship. And worship is something that we're all familiar with, obviously, because we're all here. This is a worship service. This is something that we do each and every week. We, we, at this certain time, on this certain day, we come together into this room, we sit in those places, and we experience worship. But the question is, how, how much do we realize what's really happening? Do we really understand the power of worship? Do we really understand what worship is about? I think just like anything that we do in life, it can become easy for it to become a ritual or it's just something we do just because we've always done it or just because we think it's something we have to do without really realizing why we're doing it or what the purpose of it is or what it's actually trying to to do for us and to do for God. So we want to kind of reframe that and help us to understand what this is. Why why do we do this? What is the power of this? Why does God want us to do this? The, the best definition I've heard for worship is that it is an appropriate, a primary and repro- appropriate response of the creation to the creator. It's appropriate because God is good, right? God does all these amazing things for us. God pours himself into us. God invests in us. God has given us this amazing universe to live in. God has given us all these amazing blessings that we see all around us each and every day. Worship is a way for us to respond we, we're, we're, we're praising God for the, those blessings. We're giving thanks for those blessings. It's a way for us to really be connected to who God is, and it's a way for us to reflect that, that power and that love of God. Just like God snapped his fingers, and there's the universe, there's the earth, here's all the, the places where we spend our time. God loves us so much that he gave us this place to live in. He gave us this universe to be a part of. He, he, he helped us to, to understand that, that this is an amazing thing. So our response to that is that we just, we just want to give thanks for that. We want to celebrate this. We want to celebrate the power that is God. We want to celebrate the, the love that he's shown to us. We want to connect We want to have this time of connection with God. We want to be able to reflect that love in our lives. We want to be able to just have this this time where we dedicate, where we just look to Him. You know, all all the things that we do throughout the week, there's all kinds of things that we do each and every week. We dedicate this time, an hour every week, for us to be here. And I, I've said this all my life, that I think worship is probably one of the most important things that we can do all week. It's probably the most important hour that we can have because it's an hour that we're dedicating to God. It's an hour that we're dedicating to focus on Him, to focus on that reflecting of His love, to focus on that power that He brings to us. Just like you see out in nature, the, the birds sing. 
The stars shine. That's a response. That's a response to what God has done for them. They may not be thinking about it. They may not be making a decision to do that, but they're responding to how God has given them life. They're just singing for joy, and the, the, the stars shine their light, and it's this, this uh, amazing kind of response. We have the choice to do that. While the bird doesn't necessarily have a choice to do that, they're just doing that, we have a choice to say and to realize God has done something for me. God has blessed me beyond any kind of measure that I could ever come up with. What can I do to respond? What can I do to show him that? What can I do to be in his presence? You know, we we often talk about the presence of God is with us in this time of worship. We can worship anywhere. We can worship at any time. But there's something really special about us coming together to do it. There's something really special about having that power of Jesus with us. There's something really powerful about what that means. And I think there's something that God shows us in the midst of this time of worship. There's a way for him to open our hearts. There's a way for him to to open our minds. There's a way for him to show us things that we maybe haven't seen before. And I think there's a longing within us to do that. I think there's this deep desire within all of us to have a connection as someone who's been created, to have a connection with the one who created us, to have a connection with the source of that love, to have a connection with the source of our lives, that he gives us this opportunity. The one who made the universe, he wants us to connect with him and he has that deep connection. He wants that deep connection. And we have a chance today to be able to to just be in the power of that. We talked before about how in the New Testament there are different words that are translated as worship, and they, they kind of have different meanings. One of the meanings of one of the words that's translated as worship is, is work, that it's, it's labor, it's something that you do, it's some kind of just manual labor that you go through. And another word it's, that's often used that's translated as worship means to give respect or to show respect. So if you kind of put those together, it's this idea of, of it's a work that's showing respect. We're showing respect through our work. And I think that's a good way for us to understand what worship can be for us what worship can mean for us, that, that we're showing respect to God because of what he's done for us, but we're also working at something. We're also laboring at something. We're also making sure that, that something powerful is happening in this time in our midst. You know, there, as we look at this text that we had today from Psalm 95, there's a lot of plural words there. Let us worship the Lord. Let us bow down. Let us worship our God. And I think that's, that's an important part of what it means to be in worship, that it's something we do together. It's something that, that as we gather together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's that amazing kind of connection. You go back to the early church. Most of the early Christians were also Jewish. So they had a Sabbath that they celebrated from Friday to Saturday. That was their kind of day of worship. But as Christians, they added Sunday because it's the Lord's day. It's the day that we, that we understand that Jesus was resurrected on Easter. It's Easter Sunday. And so that became a day for us to worship Jesus and worship God through Jesus. And so those early Christians, they had their kind of Jewish worship, but then they also added the Sunday worship. And that's kind of what stuck throughout the years as, as people, and even down to the, today, as we're Christians worshiping together, they would come together on this day. There's certain, as you read through the scriptures, there's different ways that they approached worship. There's a lot of things that they did, but there's a lot of kind of core components to it. When they gathered together, they sang together, they prayed together, they reflected on Scripture together, they encouraged each other together, they gave each to each other as part of this group together. And, and throughout the centuries, as we look at what worship is, those kind of core components still exist. No matter what, no matter what the, the format is, no matter what worship style you have, no matter how you approach worship, those kind of core components are there. 
that we, we sing together, we pray together, we f- reflect on Scripture together, we give together. It's about us being together. It's something that we do together. People in the early church, they didn't just show up. They were part of something, you know? But it's also kind of interesting as you look at the Scriptures, you think of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's a very individual kind of a psalm. It's a worship song, psalm, just like Psalm 95 is, which tells us that it's kind of a combination of both those things. There's this idea of worshiping together that's really important, but there's also this, this idea that it's something that we do by ourselves as well. And when you think about the community part of it, it's, it's understanding that, that we're engaging with something that we're engaging in this, this magical, powerful time that, that God's presence is here. You think of the verse that says, even when two or three are gathered, my presence is there with them. That presence of Jesus is something that, that helps us to see those things in different ways. It helps us to see life in different ways. It's something that helps us to, to engage with things together. And it's, it's a chance for us to engage. I think we often fall in this trap where we think of corporate worship, where we come together as a community to worship. We often think of it as, as entertainment, we often think of it as a performance, and I think the way that we have things set up leads to that, where we have a stage where someone's up on the stage, and we have seats arranged out there where everyone, you're sitting in rows, and you're all facing forward, looking to the front. Any concert that you go to is arranged the same kind of a way. Any movie that you go to is arranged the same kind of a way. Those are ways of entertainment. Those are performance pieces that we go to observe. And I think it's easy for us to, to approach worship the same way because it's set up the same way. But we know this isn't about performance. It's not about entertainment. It's about something that we engage. Just like those people in the early church, they engaged with those things. They engaged with those, those components of worship. I think it's important for us to think about how, in the midst of our time together, how can we engage better? How can we not just show up? How can we avoid just the ritual because it's something we've always done? It's something that we think that we have to do. How can we look at this time as a way for us to, to truly be connected to each other, How can we look at this time as a way for us to truly understand that God is here showing us things and and helping us, that we're giving thanks, that that we're offering praise, that that we're just understanding that God is beautiful and amazing, has done amazingly wonderful things for us, and we want to be able to to respond to that. We want to engage that presence in our lives. We We want to engage what it means to have God. You know, we have bits of liturgy in our worship. We have songs that we sing. We have times that we're we're sharing about the Word. How can we engage in those pieces? You know, a lot of times when we sing, we just kind of, it's, it's, it's up there on the screen, we sing the words, we, we have a responsive reading, we say the words because it's there, but how can we engage that? How can we make that be something that really has that meaning for us? And I think that's our challenge, is to think about worship. It's something we do every week, we're here every Sunday, but how can, that, how can we take that to another level for ourselves? How can we take that to another level for what it means to be in relationship? Because I think that's at the heart of, of worship together is that it's about our relationships. It's our relationship with God, it's our relationship with each other, and this idea of worship, what we're doing right now, it can continue throughout the week in our connections to each other and how we we connect to each other, how we live life together, how we share life together. This idea of worship, of giving thanks and and praising God is something that that can continue wherever we are. And just like this, this part of worship, this community worship is important, it's also important to think about individual daily worship. And I think when you look at individual daily worship, this is more about prayer and the time that we spend with God as a person, as a child of God. What does my own connection to God look like? 
Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God, I know that God is with me. I know that God is, is that powerful presence in my life. And I want to spend time in that, in that relationship. I want to spend time in that connection. But I think for a lot of us, prayer is intimidating. Prayer is scary because we're just not sure how to do it. We're not sure that we have the right words. We're not sure that we'll be able to understand what it means. And we're just afraid to, to do that. And I think that all we have to remember about prayer is, is two things, two words. Thank you. That's all prayer has to be. Prayer is just a simple thank you. It's a simple acknowledgement of God's grace in our lives. It's a simple way for us to have that, that connection with who He is. And I think that if we can understand prayer from that perspective, that it's about us being grateful, it's about us being authentic and genuine, it's about us knowing that God has done things for us, that can help us to have that, that deeper connection. Because we're able to see things more. We're able to understand all these great blessings that He's given to us. We're able to understand how that can work in our lives. And to just have this, this, this presence, this conversation with who God is. And Jesus gave us the best template that you could ever imagine for a prayer. You know, when you think about the Lord's Prayer, it's not that He said, pray this when you pray. It's not that He wanted to set that up as something that, that we always say. Even though we do that, it's fine because it helps us to remember that. But I think the way that he said it is, pray, when you pray, pray like this. He's giving us a template. He's giving us kind of a, some categories to think about. That when we do pray, here's some things to think about. And I've seen this kind of narrowed down to the Acts version of prayer. You may have seen this before. I've, I've talked about this before. I think it's a neat kind of way to have a, just kind of a simple approach to, to prayer and what that can mean. Each of these letters has a different kind of category to think about. And the first is adoration that we, wanna, we want to thank God because He's so good. God is so great because He's done so many things. God, You helped me through this, whatever it was today. And you, your, your, your power is, is amazing and it's wonderful. We're adoring God. We're, we're offering our praise to God. The C is confession. We know that we make those mistakes. We want to admit those mistakes. We want to we acknowledge that, yes, I did the wrong thing here. I want, I want help to be able to not make that mistake again and to be able to improve and to be better. So we confess that to, to, to God. We, Lord, I'm sorry that I did this. I'm sorry that I made this mistake. I don't know what I was thinking. I just, I wasn't in the right place. It puts us in a place to know that God is a God who accepts that. God is a God who hears our prayers, who hears our confession, who, who wants us to have that acknowledgement so that we can see the power of forgiveness and what that means. The T is for Thanksgiving. Just basic, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that I am able to see the sun today. I'm thankful that I am here in worship today. I'm thankful that whatever, whatever is going on in your life at that moment, that's a way for us to engage God in prayer with. I'm thankful that I have this amazing life that you've given to me. And the S is supplication. That's a fancy word for saying we want to pray for somebody. So it's not just about us. We want to think about other people while we pray. We want to think about the, the, just whoever. We want to think about our friends, our family, people throughout the world, leaders throughout the world, people who are sick, people who are suffering injustice, any, any, any person that we want to pray for, that's supplication. We're asking God, we're praying to God for them. We're helping, we, we're helping ourselves see that the world is bigger than who we are. I think if we look at these two things, these worshiping community, being in God's presence, allowing, allowing that to work in our lives, allowing that to give a power to us, we see something special. But we also see something special when we have this deep connection individually with God. Adam Hamilton, in, in his book, as he was going through each of these different essential practices, he, he uses this visual of hands. And so he, he asks everyone to, to just look at your hands. 
and with your dominant hand, make a fist. And so that represents worship together. We're all coming together in this time of worship. It's our dominant hand because we're stronger together than we are by ourselves. We have all these relationships with, around us. We have this relationship with God. And that's a way for us to visualize this idea of worship and the power of, vision, of, of what worship is. And with our other hand, it's a way to think about prayer. And he suggests that each of us pray five times a day. Now, that's initially we think, whoa, I have, I have trouble praying one time a month, let alone, let alone five times a day. But if you think about it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It doesn't have to be that hard. Pray once when you get up, pray once before each meal, and pray once before you go to bed. Four of those can be a simple, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this meal. Thank you for whatever. And just one of those five be where you do this, where you go into a little bit more depth. Think about how things might change for you if you took that time each and every day to pray five times when you get up, once before each meal, and before you go to bed. And combine that with being in worship once a week, or as often as you possibly can. Think about how that helps you to practice your faith. How that helps you to practice who you are as a child of God. How that helps you to practice this walk that we're all on together. That we're journeying through life together. That we're walking alongside our Savior. We're walking alongside Jesus as we experience that life together. As we celebrate communion, it's another chance for us to think about how that works. It's another chance for us to think about how God is committed to us. He's given us this sacrament so that we know that His connection is with us, that we know His power is there. And the way that we celebrate it, you, we all have to walk forward to receive it. Let this be a chance and a reminder for you that you're on a journey, that, that you're walking with Jesus, and that His presence, just like it is with the, the, the bread and the juice, His presence is with you wherever you are as we practice our faith together. When Jesus gathered with His disciples for the very last time, they shared a meal together. And as part of that meal, they had a loaf of bread in front of them. And Jesus said, I want you to think of this bread as my body. It's one body, but it has been broken. Broken for all of you. That in this brokenness of my body, you may find forgiveness and salvation. And every time that you eat of this, Remember that sacrifice that I have made. When the supper was over, Jesus then took the cup. He said, in much the same way, I want you to think of this juice as my blood, blood that has been poured out for you. And every time that you drink of this, be reminded of my sacrifice. It's part of this walk that we take. It's part of the strength that God gives to us in the midst of that walk. Let this be something that reminds you of that today. I ask that our acolytes, please come forward to help us celebrate communion today.